Hi, I'm Stacey Schumacher-Rowan, Editor-in-Chief of Hospitality Design Magazine with HD's What I've Learned podcast. I sat down with longtime friend Jeffrey Beers, who recently celebrated his namesake firm's 35th anniversary. Jeffrey grew up traveling the world with his parents, which instilled in him a love of hospitality and design, a skill he honed under a who's who of mentors, including Dale Chihuly, Oscar Niemeyer, and Ian Pei. His claim to fame is, of course, Bar Louie, which had the distinction of being the longest bar in Manhattan when it was created. But Jeffrey's talents go beyond design. He is also known for glass blowing, a skill he describes as a creative counterpoint to the rigors of architecture. For this self-described rebel entrepreneur, his passion for the industry is as present today as it was more than three decades ago, cementing his legacy as one of the forefathers of hospitality design today. Hi, I'm here with Jeffrey Beers. Jeffrey, thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Stacy. I'm thrilled to join you today. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's so good to see you. Even if, it, even if it's over Zoom, it's still very good to see you. It's great to see you, Stacy. Are you well? Good. Boys are good. Boys are good. Thank you. Excellent. Um, so we always start at the beginning. Where did you grow up? I grew up, uh, I, well, I grew up right here in New York. I, I, I was almost born here, but um, we moved here when I was about five years old. And I, I grew up in Manhattan. We lived all over the city and in many different neighborhoods. Um, and I'm a New Yorker for sure. I'm, I'm right here. <laughs> Not born, but bred. And your parents, they were both in the travel business, right? How did that influence you and your travel path? I mean, your career path. They did very much so. I, I, I'm an only uh, I'm an only child, so uh, it's just me and uh, uh, my parents were both uh, entrepreneurs, really at heart. Um, my mom was in uh, the destination management business, which really is hospitality for for all intents and purposes. She would handle conventions when they come into the city and take them on tours all over, uh, book restaurants. Uh, but my father was in the travel business. He was in advertising. Um, he would run incentive programs and we would travel together uh, pretty much all over the world. Um, as a kid, I remember when I was, uh, gosh, even back to 11 years old, um, traveling to Europe with them and, and various parts of the world. Uh, it gave me a great influence, obviously, from the hotels we we stayed in. Um, we would eat in restaurants. I ever since I could remember as a as a young kid, um, they dragged me along, and and sure <laughs> enough, I learned uh, a lot about the restaurant business, about ordering off a menu and staying in a hotel, and it, it was tremendously uh, fortunate. Really, I I was exposed, obviously, to not only people and architecture and hospitality, but lifestyles and different cultures. It, as a young kid, it was pretty uh, pretty cool. I didn't know it really at the time. but Yeah, sounds was pretty cool. amazing. The furthest and, I got was like Myrtle Beach, no offense to Myrtle Beach. But. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's really weird. I don't mean it in any way other than it just happened. And, do you have one favorite memory or trip or place or something that really stuck with you throughout your I, I Well, I yes, I do. I think I was maybe 14 and my dad um, ran a travel incentive program for, I think it was maybe 
150 or 180 um, executives and their spouses to go to Rome. So he chartered two 707s back in the 70s in the day. And we, we, I was the official photographer, uh, basically, for, for the group. And um, I'm 14 years old. And I remember being in, in Rome and uh, staying at the Hassler Hotel. I mean, it was really quite remarkable. I, I, I'll never forget that trip, actually. Um, just uh, at that age, to be exposed to travel like that. And of course, uh, a city like Rome, and gosh, it was probably 1972, or uh, I don't think even 70. I don't, um, it, it was remarkable. I'll never forget it. I, uh, among many others, I, I, not just Europe. Uh, you said you were the photographer. Did you always have a love of design? Were you creative from a young age? Talk to me a little bit about how you ended up going the way you did. Yeah, I did. I, um, I mean, that probably started it for me. I, you know, obviously doing all of that travel and being included with my mom and dad and they would, we would go out to restaurants five days, five nights a week. My mom was, you know, not the cook. It was maybe my dad, but he was sort of the grill man. And, you know, we would mostly go out to restaurants. Um, back to, oh God, I was 12, 13 years old and, we would be in New York City, and my dad loved Chinese food, and back then Chinese was like a big deal, and it was really great, and we'd be in Mr. Chow's or Sean Lee, or, and I'm like 13 or 14. It was just fantastic. I mean, many, many other restaurants um, turned me on, and then, you know, I was, I was kind of tall for my age, so... Back then, you know, there weren't any rules. And I'm just going to say, I, I was really, um, you know, tall. And at like 16, I think I got a job at, uh, as a busboy and then a waiter in high school and worked at restaurants at a young age in, in Manhattan. This was back when uh, it was a little different time. And, right. and it really turned me on to the hospitality world. Love it. And so did you end up going into studying design at school? I did. So I, um, I, I also met um, a, a good friend of mine who was an architecture student at Pratt when I was about 15 or 16. Um, and I became very good friends with him. And he really turned me on to Zipatone and colors and planning and taught me how to draw and draft, in other words. Uh, but at one point, I decided that there are, my high school wasn't planned right. It didn't look right. It was uh, it was claustrophobic. It was small, and so I redesigned the school and I, I created a, a, an independent project and redesigned a collegiate school actually on the Upper West Side. <laughs> nice. And, you know, I presented it to the headmaster. In fact, he had me then presented to the board, and next thing I knew. I said, you know, I want to be an architect. I mean, I really want, I dig this. And, and hospitality was part of it too. I, I was lucky enough to, obviously, you know, we'll go on to talk about my experience with Pay, but I did a lot of hotels with him. And anyway, that, that's kind of how it, it started. I, I, I just really got into it. And uh, redesigning Collegiate was really a good start. 
So wait, did so they actually implemented your your designs or what happened? No, after? not really. I mean, it was more of a. I mean, there were some ideas there. there. That I think, <laughs> uh, you know that the school has recently moved, as you know, or, or may, we were on uh, West Seventy Seventh Street at the time. Uh, this was again back in the seventies, and um, the school was on Seventy Seventh Street between seventy and seventy seven seventy eight between Broadway and West End. It's now moved to Sixty Second Street, I think, or Sixty First in a new building. Um, but um, it, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. The headmaster loved, and the board loved it. They were like, "This is really great." So some of the ideas, yeah. I think they they're took. like, "Who is this kid? Where did he come from?" Something like that. Like I was a little <laughs> bit of a, you know. You rebel entrepreneur, even at sixteen. But <laughs> so, you've worked some, for some amazing people before launching your own firm, um, Dale Chihuly, as you mentioned. I am Pay. Talk to us, kind of how you ended up with some of these great masters as mentors and teachers. First, I guess Dale was the first one, correct? Yeah, Dale was uh, was the first one, and then Stacy. It, it happened in that. I was in my uh, sophomore year, beginning of my sophomore year at RISD, at Rhode Island School of Design, um, and they were re uh, they they were rebuilding the architecture building, and it started sophomore year, so they put us in the basically the sculpture building, um, in sort of temporary studios, and I was down the down the hall from the glass lab. And of course, I'd be drawing all night long and, you know, couldn't see straight after I'd, I'd take walks down the hall at three o'clock in the morning or whatever. But there would be the Dale and his incredible, you know, troupe of amazing artists and glass blowers, And the most incredible, colorful, beautiful things were being made. There was a team. It was like a symphony. It was like a rock band of... You know, there were 10 people maybe making this amazing work. Um, and I was enthralled. I was enamored with it. I, I met Dale. We became really close and fast friends. And uh, he invited me to join him if I had it. I did. And I really wanted to learn glass blowing. And I actually became a really good glass blower. He invited me to work on, on his teams. And so as a side... Uh, little sideline my architecture studies I, I was a glass blower with Dale um, but he he just was amazing I mean he was absolutely amazing and he had he has probably the most amazing color sense of anyone I've ever met in my life I, I his just his sense of form and color uh, patterning is is remarkable um, and he, he probably taught me the most about teamwork also. Um, he works as a, a, a Venetian uh, Murano uh, team uh, a, as a team, and, and the group would produce amazing work. That's amazing. And so, and, and glass blowing has been something you you have kept, you know, or you've kept going, um, right? It's still something you, you you enjoy doing, and you still do it on the side, and you do it Absolutely. for some products, right? Yes, um, I. Um, I actually taught glass blowing um, at Urban Glass many, many years ago. This was quite a long time ago, but um, I'm one of the, the founding board members of, of Urban Glass, which is a facility in Brooklyn in New York. It's a, a 20,000 square foot glass making facility. And I, I often blow there. It's my Zen. It's my ballet. It, it makes, allows me creative thought and, 
I can explore not only form and certain forms we want to explore, but it's really where I get my creative juices going. And, and it's very spontaneous. It's a spontaneous creative endeavor. So for me, it's, it's, a, it's my uh, zen. And so you went to RISD, obviously, such a well-respected school. Did it help cement your love for design and architecture? You know, how did that help you, I think, find where you wanted to go from there? Um, well, you know, RISD did. I, I, I loved that school for many reasons. It, it, it was not just an architecture school. Um, my best friends were uh, apparel designers and painters and sculptors. Um, it, it, it's really uh, a design school in the truest sense. And it's not just an architecture school. Um, and to that end, I mean, glass blowing for me, it became a creative counterpoint, counterpoint to, to the discipline of architecture, the rigor of architecture. It put a lot of uh, warmth and emotion uh, for me. It, it gave me a spontaneity that I don't think uh, architecture really gives. Uh, it, architecture is such a rigorous, disciplined, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, you have to be very disciplined. And uh, glass is a very different, art, uh, you know, exploring art and painting and glass blowing is very different than that. For sure. And so where did you go after college? What was your first job out of college? Um, well, I, I was lucky enough to receive a Fulbright fellowship um, to go to Brazil. Uh, I received a Fulbright to uh, work on a thesis uh, for the integration of art and architecture. And Brazil was my country. Um, and in fact, I, I was uh, on my way to interview Oscar Niemeyer for my thesis. I had uh, lined up an interview with him and uh, you know, my, my Portuguese was about as good as his English at that point, at that time. And so he asked me, uh, I think he basically was thinking, he was wondering if I wanted a job. So he asked me if I wanted a job. And I said, in a nanosecond, said, absolutely. <laughs> so he said, okay, be here Monday morning. And the next thing I knew, I, I was working for Oscar Meyer in Rio de Janeiro. Um, and I spent about a year working in his office. That was my first job. It, um, it Not was a bad pretty, first job. <laughs> yeah, it was just amazing. I, I absolutely couldn't believe it. And um, it was a wonderful experience living in, in Rio and obviously at, you know, 25 or 24, whatever I was, 23. It, uh, not bad. It was, uh, in fact, Brazil taught me quite a lot. Uh, living in that country and working with him, uh, I, I think I took away so much about um, uh, warmth and, and people and hospitality, the essence of hospitality for me. It, it's about the music and about people and um, being warm and inviting. Uh, that country is all about that. Yeah. And um, what made you decide to leave that position or was it a set time and then you moved on or? Um, you know, I, I actually, um, I, I decided that I had spent a year there. I, I relocated to Sao Paulo and I worked for an architect there, Hui Orthaki, mm -hmm. 
um, who is very, very uh, accomplished in uh, concrete and um, sort of a Japanese uh, meets Brazilian way of um, working. I was really inspired by that and his use of glass. Um, but I then got to a point where I said, you know, I got to really uh, get back to reality here. And <laughs> uh, this has been a lot of fun, but um, I, I wanted to get back to New York and, and resume my career, or my, my uh, ideas of what I wanted to do. Well, I joined the firm of I.M. Pay and Partners uh, when, I, when I returned to New York. And uh, I was very excited. It was a wonderful opportunity. Um, again, it sort of happened by uh, somewhat change. I went looking for uh, a job and I, I went after it. I, I went up to their office. I actually called one of the partners from a, back then a pay phone from the street when I was... <laughs> You know, That's on amazing. my job search, at the, uh, <laughs> again, 25 or four, whatever it was. And um, anyway, he said, okay, okay, come up, come up. I'll talk to you. And um, Oh, you were outside the building? I Well, yeah, I <laughs> was down the street. And, uh, <laughs> um, so one way or another, we, we uh, you know, it was great. He, he said, absolutely. Uh, we'd love to, we'd love you to join the firm. Show up Monday. Come on Monday morning. So I, I started a eight-year-long tenure at IM's office, too. Um, but but IM was amazing. I IM Pei, he taught me um, really about not only use of space and proportion um, and detail and, uh, and modern tailoring. I mean, he was a consummate modernist. And my interest in glass uh, really drew me to IM Pei's office, of course, with his experience with curtain walls. Um, I am was really uh, one of the forerunners of curtain wall design. And at this point, I was really focusing on my architecture uh, career, and I wanted glass to be a big part of it. So what firm could I look for better than I am pay to learn about uh, the architectural use of glass, especially in high-rise uh, building design? Um, but I think the most important thing that he... Uh, really taught me was actually how to handle clients. <laughs> I am was the most amazing diplomat. I, I remember being with him in a, a boardroom. We were doing work at Mount Sinai Hospital and I went with him on a, a presentation and he was uh, in front of 30 board members of you know Mount Sinai and oh my gosh, you know, we were over budget. He was over budget. You know, it started one way, but, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes later, they were all saying, uh, you know, how much do you, you know, we're, let's write the check. <laughs> I just couldn't believe how amazing uh, he was with clients and with everyone. Just a consummate diplomat, uh, but an incredibly uh, tailored, modern architect with great attention to material and detail. What kind of projects did you work on with him? Or was there one that stuck out as, you know, a great learning experience? Yeah, I, um, I spent an, quite a bit in Singapore. Um, I worked on the Raffles City Hotel. Um, this was in the early 80s in Singapore, the, not the old Raffles, the new uh, Raffles City complex. This was a series of hotel towers and office towers and podiums, but... Um, 
I, I think I, I was lucky enough to exhibit a, a bit of a flair for uh, public spaces. And the next thing I knew, he was asking me to design the porte cochers and work on not only the curtain walls, but a lot of the public spaces of the hotel. Um, and, and then numerous other projects with him that um, uh, really revolved around public space. And, and I was very, uh, I learned a lot from that. I learned a great deal. Yeah. Um, was there, a, you know, as a young designer architect at these amazing um, different, you know, different firms from IMP to, you know, Oscar to, um, you know, Dale, was there any a time, we always talk on this pod that, you know, you, you learn more from your mistakes than you do your successes. Was there ever <laughs> something that you remember doing or part of the project that, um, you know, you wish you could have had a do-over, <laughs> but it stuck with you? I don't know about the do-over part, but I, I, I think I, I wish I was a bit more open, open to um, taking it all in. Um, I think I was on a bit of a mission and maybe we all are at that age and we're on this sort of mission. And um, I, I wish in some ways I had uh, taken it all in or slowed down a little bit and uh, not been on such a fast uh, track. So why did you decide to go off on your own? When did you have that inkling to start your own firm and the courage to, <laughs> to step out of such an amazing yeah. firm and do it on your own? Well, that's, um, that's, that's Stacy. That um, is interesting. I I, um, I had always wanted and desired to have my own firm. It was definitely uh, always into my mind. Uh, my parents, both being entrepreneurs and um, having their own businesses, I, it, it obviously was in my DNA, and, it, and it's how I'm wired. Um, so while I was even at IM's office, I. I was aspiring to at some point figure out a way or at least to, to have my own uh, company. Um, and I, I, we would all uh, entertain a, a residential uh, project or two on this, you know, um, we would do, I would do personally and for friends or acquaintances or whatever. But um, really there was an opportunity that presented itself for me. I, I, um, was that I, I had recently returned from Singapore for a long stint there and was on a vacation out east. Um, and I met a restaurateur out, out at, a, at a party out east. And um, he said, well, I'm thinking of uh, rent, you know, leasing a space in the city as a restaurateur, and would you come in and take a look at it? Um, and, I, you know, you can come in just for the day. And, and I said, of course, I, I'd be happy to. Well... Um, that led to um, my designing uh, Bar Louis. It was my first uh, restaurant project. And um, I designed it and built it. And um, it was a wonderful, wonderful project. I, uh, I'm, I'm happy or proud to say it was published in 17 magazines. <laughs> and, um, you know, in 1985, it was uh, a really great project. I can elaborate more on it later, but uh, it uh, opened the door for me for, for lots of different uh, reasons. And my phone started ringing a lot, and I remember um, walking in and, and taking I am out and uh, having a coffee and just saying, um, 
I have this opportunity and um, it's really amazing to be, although I really, you know, um, am, am torn and I'm, I'm, but he was the most supportive, uh, encouraging and supportive uh, person in, in my life. I, uh, in fact, I, I know Dee Dee and Sandy, his sons very well and um, God bless him. Uh, he, uh, he supported me. He said, absolutely. If you're going to hang a shingle on your door, you go after it. And he was very, very supportive and, and basically said, if you trip up or something, please, you know, anytime <laughs> the doors yeah. open here and he couldn't be more supportive. So that gave me the courage to, oh, okay. Um, I remember telling my dad and he was like, okay, you go. <laughs> <laughs> You do this. Something like that. Yeah. My mom was even more like picking me out the door. <laughs> <laughs> did you stay in touch with IM throughout your throughout your career? Yes, I did. Absolutely. Um certainly um I mean he he was uh hundred and two, I think, when he passed. Uh, right. Oscar Niemeyer was hundred and four. Wow. You believe? I mean, I don't know. My, what are my, they drinking? We need. My, what my what did they drink? Like, yeah, <laughs> with you architects. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm, I don't know. God bless. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I stayed in touch with him um, all the way through his 90s, and uh, again, his two sons uh, I know very well. <clears throat> I, in fact, I when he turned a hundred, I, I sent. Uh, a bottle of champagne <laughs> to oh, him nice. and I got a call from one of his sons going you're you're giving champagne to my father at a hundred are you crazy <laughs> jokingly jokingly yeah. of course he was he was thrilled he was absolutely thrilled and, um they're they're good friends and the family is uh an amazing family amazing love that okay so yes you mentioned you hinted at bar louis but um it had the distinction of being the longest restaurant in Manhattan or the longest bar. What was the actual distinction? Um, but tell us how that came to be and why you think that was, you know, so well received in, you know, 1985. Yeah. Well, Stacy, it was, um, you know, when I, when I came into the city to look at the space, he took me, it, the space was 33 feet wide by 200 feet long. <clears throat> This was, it spanned uh, from Broadway to Mercer Street oh. uh, between Houston and uh, Bleecker. So this space uh, was absolutely unique and challenging in that respect. If you can imagine a block long space, but only 33 feet wide, even any restaurateur, yeah. perhaps all of us would be like, well, okay, uh, how am I going to make a restaurant out of this? <laughs> I, I immediately responded to him with a huge smile because he was really looking at me like, what do I do here? And I said, you're going to build a bar. You're going to build the longest bar in New York. Phil Scotty was uh, the restaurateur. God, I bless him. I, I, he's a good friend and he, he owns PJ Clark's uh, uh, restaurant now, among many others. Um, I think he's partners in Serafina, but um and I said, we're going we're gonna to build a bar from Broadway to Mercer. We're going to build the longest bar in New York. And we're going to put a diner open kitchen. And I want to do it in glass in the middle, in the middle of it. So this thing is going to operate sort of like a, 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 a diner slash bar 
slash, um, I don't know, New York, uh, because he was really into sound and music. And, and I, I, I just, I was enamored with, I was glass blowing a lot then. So I blew out, I, I personally blew 35 uh, wall sconces in like pinks and blues and lavenders. I, I painted the whole place in like a, a silver blue. The bar was made out of glass and a rubber bumper was the, uh, with the bar face. Um, and the bar top was glass. Um, and it was just sort of Miami Vice time where, you know, pinks and blues and strong colors were hot. We put a sound, he put a sound system in there to die for. And the thing basically turned into a, not only a restaurant, it, it, it worked really well as a restaurant, but it was also a club. And in 1985, there weren't, you know, clubs were different then. They weren't sort of, I'll call this a performance restaurant. It was kind of a, and it really took off. I mean, there were literally club lines out the door. Um, <laughs> and his food was great. The food was great. And everybody was a buzz about it. I, it just was a wonderful project. It uh, gained so much momentum. And it was a lot of fun. Everybody yeah. had a lot of fun. Well, it proves what you can do with a challenge, right? <laughs> yeah, it just um, it, it just was an amazing project. That um, it, it, it really hit the right moment at the right time. Uh, all of us did. Phil, Phil and I and his partners, you know, hit it right on the money. We all, like... I really enjoy developing the concept. The concept is really important to me and working with uh, whoever owns it and operates it. And, you know, why are we doing this? Why is it going to look the way it does? And, you know, what, what are the goals here? What are we trying to achieve? Maybe not even that literally, just sort of underneath it all. Right. Is that your favorite part of the process? Is that like beginning, understanding, Definitely. I, I really enjoy uh, understanding um, the narrative and the, what we, you know, obviously the DNA and sort of the, the, the raison d'etre or partie of the project. But, you know, it's, it's always really inspiring and encouraging to me and therefore then the whole team in the studio um, to really wrap our arms around the, the project. And, and from a passionate standpoint that we really understand not only our desire, well, our desires are the owner's desires. I mean, we're, we're trying to accomplish a successful hotel or restaurant or, you know, even residential projects have bits and pieces of that that are, that are all about the owner of the residence. But in hospitality, it's key. And I, I love that part of it, it the, the branding part, the, the narrative part. Right. And now you celebrated 35 years this year. Yeah, we did. We did. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. It's, uh, you know, sometimes I wonder whether that's a good thing or not or whatever. But um, when the studio is just so full of, of so many young um, energy and young energetic people that, you know, before the lockdown, of course, but uh, they've all, everybody has is, is stayed and everybody continues to you know, bring a lot of energy and useful energy to the firm. So it helps me be young and it keeps me, but they're also, they want my energy. They want my energy from what I just described. Right. Um, it really sort of feeds on one another. So the firm has got a lot of, 
interesting uh, attribute and breadth to it. And so, okay, so you Bar Louie gets you on the map, you start taking on other projects. Would you consider that your big break or were there others, you know, along the way that um, even propelled your firm even more than that one did? Um, Well, that was probably the start of it. I I was doing a number of residential projects then that luckily were published. And and so there was some uh, publicity going on, which, of course, when you're starting out, it's very important. Um, And that but Louis really led to China Grill. So, mm. so China Grill was an amazing adventure with Jeffrey Chodrow. And um, I did eight of them uh, all over the world with Jeff. And uh, so it, it was that kind of energy that uh, Rum Jungle was another one. It was really, um, I think it was 96 or something that we did that. And it was the beginning of, there weren't really clubs, as we know, you know, big giant clubs then. So... You know, it, this was a restaurant like Bar Louis. It, 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 I drew on a lot of my Bar Louis passion and experience, and it, and it really it it start, It's a restaurant, but then it becomes more than that. It's it's a what I call a performance restaurant. So we added all sorts of things as the night went on. Um, you know, Buddha Bar was sort of doing the same thing in Paris. Um, and, and, you know, it was a very sort of interesting concept that uh, a lot of that energy, Stacy, is what uh, where my big breaks were and what really sort of catapulted me into the world of uh, not only restaurant design, but nightclub design and, and hospitality um, on, a, on a dynamic level. Yeah. And it must have been an exciting era of hospitality, too, in the 80s and 90s. I mean... Just, you know, thinking about it, it was you and David Rockwell and Adam Tahani and yeah. Tony Chi. And I mean, you guys were redefining what hospitality meant, what restaurants meant. I think we, I, very much so. Stacey, thank you for saying that. I mean, I, I yes, we were all and are still very good yeah. friends and not only uh, contemporaries and but in colleagues, I, I we've worked together. David and I have worked on projects, and Adam Tahani, and Tony Chi, and I are very good friends. Um, you know, it it was an era that really um, uh, Adam was very much a, a in the really the beginning of it. Um, I'm trying to remember Sam Lapata was mm-hmm. one of the original restaurant designers that I think inspired us all. I I, I never got to know Sam that well but um um sam was an amazing designer and and it was a time when that was being embraced wolfgang puck was you know really coming online with uh obviously you know chinois and maine and um you know wolfgang's whole attitude towards california asian cuisine it was a very interesting time to be in the restaurant design business Design became a huge component of the success, not just the, it wasn't just a dining room anymore. Right. It it was a whole lot more. Looking back at starting your firm, was there anything you wish you knew then that you know now? Wow. Um, What a great question. I, I, gosh, there's so many things I wish I knew (laughs) then. 
Um, and now there's so many things I wish I didn't know, <laughs> to tell you the truth. <laughs> it's like I often say to my team, I, you know, I'm sorry, I, just, I know too much. So I'm like, you know, because I, I got to let, let them go. I just, I have to let them go. And I, I know, you know, obviously a lot. But um, yes, I wish I, you know, back then, of course, would have loved to have known uh, operations a lot more than I know it now and, and how really the business of restaurants work. Uh, I am partners in uh, eight restaurants right now. Um, so, so I've been on the other side of the table and written the checks and <laughs> I understand <laughs> how it all works. Um, but the business is a fascinating business from a hospitality standpoint and also um culinarily, uh, every which way. So back then I, you know, learned everything I was learning. I, I had a huge appetite for, um, really how restaurants worked. Uh, Bar Louis actually was a very interesting experience. The, the builder, um, who became a very good friend of mine, his name was Michael Parlarmus. Uh, he was a restaurant builder. God bless him, passed away uh, a number of years ago, but his dad built diners all over uh, New York, all over the Bronx, and he'd been building restaurants for many, many years. Um, but he said, look, when you do a restaurant, we're going to go to the basement first. We're, we're going to go down to the basement and we're going to see how we get exhaust out of here and, <laughs> you know, where's the grease traps going and is there enough storage and cooking and then on to, you know, are there enough waiter stations? Is there enough support? What's the flow? What's the circulation? I mean, all that good stuff that, you know, is really important. It's very important yeah. to a successful restaurant. I, I, of course, was, you know, obsessed with my glass bar and uh, my glass diner kitchen and, uh, you know, which is, which is fabulous. <laughs> Restaurants and bars is where you started and your passion, but you have obviously expanded into many amazing hotels. Um, is there one project that you think has um, defined your firm of, of recent or even, you know, a bit ago um, that really kind of speaks to what you and your team at Jeffrey Beers International tries to create? For sure. Um, well, Stacy, I mean, you know, that's a wonderful uh, question to ask. I, I certainly starting out in the restaurant world and, from China Grills to Las Vegas. I work with Danielle Balloon on many of his restaurants. And, um, but, but I think um, the Cove at Atlantis, I, I worked with dear Saul Kersner, um, an amazing man, an incredible uh, visionary and hotelier. God bless him, passed away a few the year last year or the year before. And, um, but I think the Cove uh, at Atlantis, we designed... Uh, uh, that property, as well as maybe the Fontainebleau, was was really a great experience. Um, doing the Forty Forty Club for Jay Z, uh, we, we recently did his offices, Rock Nation, um, here in Manhattan. Um, what was that I, like? And have you done many many uh, offices? Um, you know, we've done um, oh, well, maybe over ten now, ten, oh, twelve well. offices. Yeah, we're. Uh, We've done a number of uh, uh, different law firms, or hedge firms, and and different types of firms that are looking for a high design element. They're looking yep. for a, a design element that's a kind of a wow factor. Um, 
uh, Jay-Z's Rock Nation's offices were amazing. I mean, they were really uh, a lot of fun to do. Jay is an incredible uh, uh, visionary. His art collection is beyond belief. Um, and we really designed it as, as a residential, uh, sort of Jay's residential mansion world. Um, very warm, very inviting, very hospitality-driven, lots of arts, uh, great lighting. Um, it was a great project. And was he hands-on? Um, yes and no, of course. Uh, yeah. He's touring all the you know. Um, <laughs> it's a busy man. <laughs> touring a lot. Um, his CEO, Desiree Perez, oh, is, nice. is uh, an amazing woman. Um, I'm lucky enough to be designing her, her, her residence and her home uh, now. Um, I worked with her extensively. Um, she really had uh, a great eye. Her husband, Juan Perez, is amazing. And uh, we had a really great time together and continue to. Awesome. All right. Sorry, I cut you off about the hotels. Well, um, you know, we, we started really with uh, a hotel called the Dillon uh, back. I, I'm not, I remember, can't remember if in, sometime in the early 2000s. Uh, it was Midtown on uh, 40th Street off Park Avenue. Um, that was a, a really interesting foray into sort of a boutique hotel design. Um, I really enjoyed working on that. It, it then led to uh, other properties. We, you know, for Hilton and for Marriott, um, we 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 then did um, a Renaissance recently uh, on Thirty Third Street, which uh, is is really a, a wonderful property um, for Marriott. Uh, I, 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 they're just a, a number of, uh, and then resort properties. We, we did the Atlantis uh, recently, the Atlantis in China, in Sanya, which was a huge project. Um, very exciting. Uh, involved, um, uh, it was BBG, who, who at the time uh, was uh, Brendan Beer Gorman. BBG uh, were the architects for the Atlantis in Sanya. Uh, we did all the interiors. Uh, there were probably uh, 40 different room types as the, the building is shaped like a shark fin. So every floor uh, decreases by about a foot and a half in, in width. So at the end of the day, out of, you know, 1,200 rooms, a thousand of them or 900 of them are different shapes and different sizes. So oh, it Lord. became an absolute monster of a project to work on. But I'm very proud of it. We've got uh, 40 different room types in that hotel. Um, there's uh, many, many different restaurants and, and uh, obviously uh, all the activities. It's, it's a modern Atlantis. It's uh, a very modern, curvilinear, um, Guggenheim-esque approach. Uh, it is not the Atlantis, as you know it, in the Bahamas or in Dubai. Uh, very modern. Got it. Talk about a challenge. That many different room types. <laughs> yeah, it was a challenge. Uh, everybody looked at me with grunting, and then when I <laughs> every day, every time I walked into that studio, they would be like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> Daggers. <laughs> Daggers is right, Stacy. I mean, it was like nine hundred residences. <laughs> it's like you're kidding me. Oh okay, six hundred, <laughs> <laughs> but still, yeah, it was challenging. Crazy. Were there any other, you know, projects like that that stick out as being challenging or, you know, tested, you know, even your great, <laughs> great uh, talents? 
Well, you know, I, I, I think um, one of the most challenging projects was um, what, what not recent, but, but I remember uh, the Russian Tea Room. I, I was hired by the, the late Warner Leroy, um, God bless him, um, to, to design the Russian Tea Room for him. He bought it. Um, I'm trying to remember the, the year. I can't remember. It was a good 10 years ago. But, um, oh, my gosh. I, I, that was a very challenging project. And that Warner had, you know, Warner's vision. Warner was uh, Tavern on the Green. It was a, he was extremely... Uh, flamboyant and extravagant, uh, gentleman. And, um, it was kind of a, it was kind of a disaster. <laughs> I, I just, uh, I mean, he, he was looking for, you know, dancing bears and all sorts of, uh, design things that this wasn't in my wheelhouse. And, um, you know, we, we clashed, uh, quite a bit and, um, there's a fine line between, you know, giving a client what they want, but staying true to, to one's, you know, ethos and design philosophy. I, uh, so I think, you know, it, uh, I, I learned a lot from that. I think I, I got to learn myself a lot. I learned how to be resilient, um, or at least and patient. Um, but it was a very challenging project. Um, <laughs> and I got fired. And I got fired. Yes. It was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. It was. My wife and my sons were like, Dad, that's the best thing that ever happened to you. Yeah, they not worth it. Would have gone to your, I don't know what, with that project. <laughs> they were thrilled. I was devastated, of course. I was walking around New York at three in the morning like, oh, my God, it's the end of the world. <laughs> I mean, I really did. Um, that's but funny. of course, life goes on. Yeah, because I can't see you getting fired from many projects. So oh, well, have... yeah, I was fired, and quite, quite frankly, <laughs> you're out. <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, yeah. It wasn't yeah. fun, and I was devastated. I was absolutely devastated. I just, I don't, you know, maybe I was fired once or twice before, but it was, you know, not under those circumstances. Nicer, anyway. nicely, more nicely A done. Different. This was <laughs> like, you're out, you're done. <laughs> I love it was, it. At the end of the day, it was um, helpful. Yeah. Learned. I learned a lot. In retrospect, it's probably a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it led to other things, you yeah. know, doors I, close, windows close and others open. Right. What yep. they say. I think yep. that's very true. And I like how you said it's a fine line between doing what the client wants, but also bringing your philosophy and, you know, your um, talents to the table. Uh, if you had to describe, you know, what Jeffrey Beers is, like, what is your philosophy? What do you instill into your, you know, your amazing team um, about design and the way you all approach it? Well, uh, Stacy, that's... Um a great question to ask. I, I, um, I, I think it really, it's about finding a balance, um, finding a really wonderful balance of understanding one's clients. Um, but really, you know, where that middle, where that ground that, well, that common ground is. I, I, I think that, um, we really strive to, bring the best out of it, or every firm, of course, strives to bring the best out of their projects. But I, I think first and foremost in my mind is, you know, understanding really our clients, um, 
goals and desires um, and drawing on the talents that the firm is made up of so many different backgrounds and diversities. I'm, I'm most proud of uh, JBI, that everyone, the people that work here, everybody that works here is, and they, you know, I think we have maybe, oh gosh, over 15 different uh, nationalities represented here, maybe even more. Um, backgrounds from Europe, from Asia, from uh, Northern Europe, from Eastern Europe. I, I, what is really wonderful is how everybody contributes in their own way. And, and from my travels as a young person with my parents, it's so important to take in the world. I, I, you know, every culture has wonderful uh, things to offer and positive things to take away and learn from. That's what JBI is. JBI is made up of a, a plethora of talent and cultural diversity that, that really brings the firm, you know, we can approach every project with an incredible amount of diversity, um, creative thinking and backgrounds that I think clients are most uh, surprised by and, and thrilled with that, that, you know, we'll be in a conference room and, you know, no, no. I, I encourage everyone in my firm that you know, uh, there's never a bad idea. It's just whether it's appropriate or not. And I encourage everyone to speak up and participate. And I do that in front of our clients. I do that with our clients. I invite as many young folks as I can to be a part of projects because there's an energy. They bring an energy, and I think our clients really uh, feel that from the firm. There's a tremendous amount of passion here. Um, I, 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 I promote that a lot. I obviously am, am a very, I am a very passionate person, and I think that's one of the key things about being a designer. Um, you you, you got to have your heart in it, and it's all about passion. I, you know, yes, there's a tremendous amount of talent and judgment and ability, but if you if the passion has to be there and that goes to the client it goes to the project you know if you share that with the client boy do they get it you excite them like they surprise them that yeah. way that that's exciting to me what, what do you look for when you're hiring at your firm and what would you would be the piece of advice you would give to a young designer, either entering hospitality or, you know, kind of um, evolving their career? Well, I, the, the most important thing really, or the things that I look for in hiring a designer is passion. There has to be a real passion and a, and a real interest and desire a, a hunger, a, a yearning for participating in this wonderful world of design we're in, yeah. in the world of creativity. Um, of course, I look for, for, you know, having, being a hard worker, having a good work ethic and, you know, having a good eye and, and certainly being a good listener, probably being a team player is a very important uh, thing to me and I think to anyone to any, any owner of any company. Um, we are a team. This is a studio. It's a, it's a, it's like, you know, not only like movie making, I mean, but it's, it's even beyond that. It's a, 
it's a it's an orchestra and everybody plays a part um and i think that that everybody plays an important part so Mm -hmm. each person that i speak to or designer i i really look for if there is there if they're really devoted to you know and and not only hard work etc but their heart has to be in it and how have you i mean 35 years congratulations uh how have you evolved the firm? I mean, how you did business in 1985 is very different than how you're doing it in 2021. How have you evolved and, you know, pivoted? I hate using that word because it's a word of 2020, but, you know, and just constantly kept up um, and any kind of business advice for those also launching their own firm or figuring out how to keep, keep the firm afloat. We evolve by embracing um, not only new thinking, but, um, you know, thoughtful thinking. I, I, I think that, that what's really important is to uh, keep one's eyes open and ears open to what is happening around us and the industries that we um, work in. Um, how our clients are actually evolving. Uh, we have to be very um, uh, in step with that. I, I don't want to say ahead of it necessarily, although that is very much a part of our, our responsibility is to uh, bring innovation and creativity and, and, try, and uh, try and think ahead for our clients. Um, I think that, that staying uh, or, or looking at the joy of not only hospitality but but of creativity is is very important i think that uh young folks really i think what what i love about them is that their eyes are wide open and their ears are wide open and and we evolve through um diversity of the people that are 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 involved at jbi and we encourage everyone to speak up. We encourage them to share uh, greatly their own experiences and what they've learned. Um, all of that contributes to staying uh, and evolving the firm and keeping the firm in a very relevant place. Yeah, for sure. And you've worked with some greats. I mean, Jeffrey Chodoro, Daniel Blood, um, Saul Karsner. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, uh, yeah. What and they keep and they you know you you do multiple collaborations with them so they keep coming back. What what do you think is the key to a successful relationship between designer, architect, uh, and client? Um, I think the key to that relationship is um, is collaboration. It's collaboration. I mean, you know, clients are looking to us for innovation and, and design creativity, um, for you know, for thinking some of something that they haven't thought of or that that we can augment and contribute to their goals. Um, I think it's very important to show to a client how engaged you are and the firm is for that matter in the project or the studio or whoever's involved. Um, I I take a tremendous amount of um, pride and, and, and keen interest 
in in knowing, getting to know my clients and getting to know those that you mentioned. Uh, there are many others, and I'm I'm I guess I'm I'm, I'm proud. It's not really yes, I am. I'm I'm proud, but I'm I'm happy. It it pleases me greatly when I can develop a, a collaboration and a personal relationship. And, and we get somewhere that we neither one of us maybe thought we could get to, but together, that's really what matters to me, is that together with a client, you get somewhere that neither one of you thought you could get to. Right. One plus one equals three. Yeah. It's really amazing, Stacy. how, and, and when, you, when you exhibit that kind of interest and bring that energy, yes, I'll use that word because I think it's important. It is a word. We, we all need each other and kind of need each other's energy. I mean, I, I love it. I, I love your energy. <laughs> it, really, it's inspiring to me, Stacey. You, you take me to places that I, I love and haven't been to. I, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's quite a unique gift uh, we all have, not only being in, in this industry, but the, the relationships we all forge. Not only with our clients, but but with our colleagues. Yeah, it's special. It's like no other. Um, and speaking of that, uh, can't finish this pod without talking about the elephant in the room, which is COVID. Um, <laughs> right now, today, still is impacting business and everything around us. Uh, what do you think will be the ultimate? impact of COVID moving forward on design and hospitality? How do you think it will evolve it? Or what many people think is, you know, there are things that it will impact and others it won't. And, you know, we'll go back to, to many things that, you know, that we can't do right now, which is traveling in hotels and restaurants um, back to the way they were. Yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, COVID has been uh, an experience that unlike any other, obviously, I don't have to uh, pontificate on that. But um, I, I think that that at what has it has brought to all of us is a, an understanding of um, empathy, honestly, and and not only empathy and compassion, but I think our industry, we're, we're approaching things so much more thoughtfully, I'd like to think. We are thinking about everything in a much deeper way. We're thinking about people and individuals. We're not thinking about big boxes or, uh, you know, margins and, uh, you know, what's the, you know, the thousand room this or a 500 room that. Or, it's really about memorable, things that are memorable and that add, add to all of our um, lives. I, I, I'd like to think that, uh, you know, rather than thinking about necessarily uh, how to pack more people in this place or that place or some restaurant or conference or convention center, I'm, I'm really focused on, yes, of course, you know, health and, and you know, but, but memorable places. I, I, I think that whether it's an urban hotel or a resort hotel or a property, um, I, I think they have to be uh, inns. I think they have to be thought of that there's an innkeeper, that there are, there are folks that are really interested in your well-being and, you know, that you really enjoyed your stay and that you'll come back real soon or you'll tell your friends to come back. 
I think I those that. are the things that are, are, are really important to take away from that. And we're approaching every project in a, in a way like that. But there, I love that. It's like going back to what hospitality was all about when it started, right? Absolutely. It's really about hospitality in its truest sense from, mm-hmm. um, you know, the husband and the, 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 the wife, the family innkeepers, and, you know, that, that you would be looked after. You would be looked after in every which way. I mean, we design a hotel room now. The minibar really should be, a, a, it should be more than that. It should yeah. be more than, th- there should be really ways in which you have really enjoyed your stay in the way that you would enjoy going to a spa or a, right. you know, a retreat or something, that, that, it, that it was really special. And, and the innkeeper or whoever was the owner uh, really looked after you and, 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 the, whoever, you know, and that means the designers and the architects and everybody involved is on that page. Mm-hmm. We're all on the page to creating um, memorable, memorable experiences not just fast and you know brings down the bottom line or the profit margins or, or whatever no it, it yes it goes to um hospitality at its very beginning and and i think at its uh, truest and sort of most genuine there's a genuineness about it that i think we will all welcome and and really remember right and cherish a little bit more right it'll mean more It'll mean more, right? I mean, when we can travel again, I gotta help us and whatever. And I mean, everywhere, you know, the places I go, I think I will, I will be more uh, attentive, or I, I will appreciate more. I'd like to. I would like to be able to appreciate the trip that I just took, and and whether it's even a business trip, I, I, I want it to be something that's not just, uh, uh, you know. 24 hours, 48 hours here or there, and especially with my loved ones, when I travel with my loved ones. Right. I, you know, it's, um, I think that's what's on the table for us as architects and designers. I could talk to you forever, but in sake of time, I will ask our final question. We always end on the title of the podcast, What I've Learned. So what has been your greatest lesson learned along the way? Huh. My greatest, uh, my greatest lesson, probably, and if there's only one, I mean, I've learned maybe a few, Stacy. But um, my my grandfather actually uh, would say to me, um, "You can you can be you can be scared or you can be fearful, but don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid." And I, I think that's something that. Is is very you know rel- relevant obviously to the whole situation we're in, but uh, you know the, it was something that always stayed with me. It, it, you can be fearful, but don't be afraid. And and my mom would always be you know if you're ever in doubt, when in doubt, say yes. That was her sort of thing. It just she when in doubt, do it. She she just went after it, and I, I think we all are doing that in our own way. Um, and my father, of course, was like, you know, just never, uh, never quit, never give up. But I think uh, don't, you know, you can be scared, but don't be afraid. It's one yeah. that for me, I've learned. Love it. Stay with it. Stay with it. I love it. Stay well, with thank, it. 
Thank you, Jeffrey. It was just such a joy to catch up with uh, you like this. And thank Stacey. you so much for taking the time. Stacy, thank you very much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure talking to you as always. As, as always. always. I'm, I'm thrilled to talk to you. And, thank we will you have, and we'll have our annual lunch soon, I hope. I look forward to that. I'd love that. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Hospitality Designs, What I've Learned. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find full episodes and transcripts at hospitalitydesign.com.